This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Artificial Intelligence Podcast with your host, Dr. Tony Huang. I'm here today with Daniel Scheibel, who is the co-founder and technical director at Red Paper Heart. Daniel, can you give us a quick intro? Yes. So Red Paper Heart is an art studio specializing in interactive experiences that are really interesting and fun and inspire joy and wonder. And I started this with a friend in 2011. And since then, we really concentrated on creating really playful and tactile interactions with all sorts of new digital technologies. And I'd like to explain this a little bit. On the wild side, we, we've thrown thousands of ping pong balls into a pool and used that as a projection surface where people could jump in and we were tracking them jumping in and swimming around. We even had a water ballet show in the pool or we built a giant teddy bear that you can jump on and jumping on it triggered really playful animations all around you in the room. And like from there, we went on and used tennis rackets and golf clubs and rowing boats and you know, people's heartbeats, all like fun um, interactions that don't need a lot of explanation that people just can do intuitively um, and turned that into really interesting outputs, usually using generative art and procedural art as a tool to create really fun and colorful graphics. That's really cool. So how do you envision the future of interactive art, especially as the line between the physical and the digital worlds continue to blur? Interactive art in the way we've seen it, we always wanted the user to have a really meaningful input to that art that we're creating there. So it was very important for us to always have a direct connection, not nothing that you were questioning if you had any influence in the art at all, but it was a very straightforward interaction. Like you take a racket, you swing it, you do some sort of motion that has a very clear reaction on the screen, if it is a screen that we are that we're using there. And I think in the future, that's just going to be more personalized, easier to use, faster to use, more interesting. And I think with a lot of tech technology there, there's a way of just making things smaller, more intuitive and less intrusive. And I think kind of like a path that this will continue. Are there any technology that you're particularly excited about merging digital and the physical experience? I think that but going back maybe like 15, 20 years, there was a time when Arduino came out and you could all of a sudden like artists could measure, you know, with pressure with a pressure sensor or distance or temperature or use all these sensors that previously were very hard to use. And I think that was like the first kind of like revolution that came with open source that then continued into continuously 
these sort of technologies got smaller and more efficient and now everybody has their phones and now with new devices and new technologies in the AR VR space that's slowly swapping over and pushing a lot of those innovations forwards that all of a sudden become accessible to us as well to use interactive installation and then of course the whole impact that AI has on our industry but in many ways on so many different industries where we use the products that it's hard to say that we don't use AI at all. So in your experience how has AI transformed the creative design process at Red Paper Heart? Yeah, it's been interesting. So I think with AI in in, in what we're doing there's probably three different sections that we could talk about. There's the creative process, which is just to how we generate ideas, we, how we code. So a lot, there's a lot of influence coming from ChatGPT even for coding or Copilot that's built into Visual Studio code. On the creative side, of course, you have you know, mid-journey or stable diffusion and all of the functionality that seems to update almost every day to just help maybe find a style or c come up with ideas just to land like in the concept world somewhere. And then there's a lot of AI happening in, or every installation like exists of an input, then this input gets processed and then there's an output. So even in those three different fields, there's also a lot of happening. For example, tracking people is always something important that we want to do. And there's probably a lot of video enhancements where AI helps to track people or where AI can help with chest recognition. And we often still fall back to more traditional technologies, but you notice the influence of AI there. Same thing with processing those inputs. What do we do with the data that we're collecting there? Then there's processing uh, that data. And there's, there are a lot of different softwares that we use to generate interactive graphics and visual outputs. And AI is slowly having an effect in there. I think so far we use it partially, for example, to generate a background image here or there or using some of the input to to just have AI generate something, but not the final image yet. And even a little bit on, on the output where it could be a, rob a controlled robot that's been uh, used by AI, or it could be um, just AI upscaling of the lower resolution to high resolution. So there's really every part in the process, there's some sort of influence. Well, can you provide like a specific example where AI contributed in a way that wouldn't have been possible with traditional design tools or like traditional methodologies that are seen in the industry? When we try to integrate AI, we really look for a way that we couldn't or for something that we couldn't do before with any other traditional form of coding. So maybe there are two projects that sounded to us like that is perfect for AI. We kind of learned what it really means to use AI. 
One project was for a mall, was for Brookfield Malls, who asked us to create an interactive holiday act activation. And our idea was an interactive wishing forest where you could whisper a wish into a branch of a tree. And it translated that wish into a, an, a, a forest animal. And it would just be added to that forest and kind of like continuously play that back. So to us, that sounded like that would be a perfect AI application. Um, but it was, of course, really hard to do. And in the end, we didn't end up use, using AI. Um, but it was one of the first situations where we learned that you really need a data set to train an AI for such a specific idea. So how are you using AI to push the boundaries of what's possible in interactive art? Are you adding like sensors that you that, that have never been used before? Are you using different algorithms that are new to the market? Yeah. Another project where we just started to experimenting with a stable diffusion. One one idea we always had was to have a visitor step up to a wall and our system would recognize the pattern of the shirt that we're wearing and using that pattern to put it back on the wall to have an interaction between the space and uh, the visitor in this case and that was an idea that kind of like in our heads for a while but it was really hard to do because the pattern recognition was just something that was really hard to do with traditional techniques and so that was one of the first ones where we used um, technologies that we used before to sense when a user comes to the installation we could uh, use skeleton tracking to figure out where the body is and take a picture of the clothing that they were wearing but then it got interesting because we could send that image to uh, the ai to stable diffusion and first get a description and then we would use the image with the description and ask it to generate a pattern inspired by what the user was wearing. So it was never quite the exact pattern, but it was really interesting to see what the eye could generate in this case. And then we threw that back on the walls where that user was. And it was a super interesting, playful way that, yeah, was the first time that we could do that and, and realize that idea. In, in terms of coming up with ideas, uh, brainstorming, conceptualization. Oh, how does AI come into play? Like, how do you implement AI into the, the brainstorming process? Do you like start off as, with it as the core, or do you come up with an idea and then sprinkle AI along the way? Like, what is your methodology on that? Yeah, I think the first thing our installations are very custom for a specific event or location or a specific space. So Usually we just start with that, coming up with ideas, what interactions would fit, what the people there would be willing to do and how far they would go. Um, and then use those initial ideas and feed that into AI and see if what kind of like variations come back, what kind of optimization sometimes they suggest. It usually we, we come up with initial styles and then ask that generative AIs to generate like some mood boards in a way. But it's been, for example, really hard to 
generate like a full image of what the installation should do because those images that we present to the client, they need to tell so many different uh, details and the story of the of our installation, for example, we need to show the space. We need to show a person that you understand the scale. We need to show the interaction that person is doing as well as the output of how we you know, show the graphics. It might be like a huge LED screen or projection mapping or something. And because there's so many very detailed things, it's been really hard to kind of change one thing or the other with a completely generated image. But that also gave us the idea, and we started testing this a little bit, if maybe we can train an AI on our work and try to teach it what those different things are, like what's an LED screen, what is a person, and what's the interaction. I think we're far from a good result, but at least that's something that we could try and push forward with. So I noticed that you said that you use um, Stable Diffusion. Are there any other AI tools or algorithms that you found particularly like revolutionary for the creative design process other than like ChatGPT and like Stable Diffusion, which are fairly well known? Like, are you using anything else that's um, cutting edge or like neat that uh, others haven't seen? I think that the other big one is Mid Midjourney, which we use quite extensively as well. I think for the creative process, probably even more than Stable Diffusion. Stable Diffusion has the advantage that we can just run this locally on our computers and you know, have it generate thousands of images fairly fast because it's our own hardware and everything. Other than that, we are always on the lookout for more specialized AIs, but we haven't jumped over to any other one so far. How do you strike a balance between AI-driven suggestions and the inherent like human touch that's required in art? So far, we see AI as another tool in our process. I think it, I'm not sure if it will ever get there to decide everything, because if we're that far, like we are not needed anymore. I think there's still so many decisions that need to be taken also, like even just on a personal level from the artist of where they want to go, that the artist will always have the, the last word. How do you like ensure that the AI generated content that you've created is in line with cultural, social and individual sensitivities? Um, you know, right now in the world, everyone's really sensitive about um, the content that, that AI generated um, algorithms are creating in the creative space. Like, are, do you have any safeguards in place or is it just the wild west right now where it's just generating content? When you don't create the AI from the ground up, right? There's even the question before that you don't even exactly know what that AI is trained on. And that's like the first step of not knowing what might come out at the end of it. With more, like, we've done a couple installations where there was always user-generated input. Often we had them... We allowed them to draw something and, and that was like the initial input to create or to create more art out of it. And that was, it was always a little scary for us and the client because of course we, we all expected the worst to happen at some point and there was always 
um, content moderation in the middle. But surprisingly, that rarely happened from the user perspective. My hope is that if there's nothing from the user that might trigger a really bad outcome, the chances are good that the outcome will always be acceptable. But then at the same time, barely any of us understands how like the AI system really works and what they generate and what they're trained on and what they might turn out. So I think it's really hard to completely ignore it, but chances are good that for the most part, you might be okay. With AI's capability and capacity to generate art, there's a debate that's going on out there about the originality and authenticity of this AI-generated art. What's your take on AI-generated creation being term, uh, coined and termed as original? Um, so I, I see a lot of like reports coming out like where it says this content here is like original because it's created by AI. My perspective on that is that I come more from a technical end. And if I create, if I tell the AI, if I create a really good prompt of what I want, my what I get is never as good as I see a really experienced creative director being able to really write a prompt that creates really amazing output. So for me, there's still an art in creating really a really thoughtful image with AI, where you just have to have, I think, a lot of experience and it, you train your own language and being able to describe an image that you want that I'm okay that this is called art by an artist or from an artist. How do you handle concerns from the industry about the potential devaluation of human-created art with the rise of AI-generated pieces? Andy Warhol created art really quickly too. And I think there's a similarity there that now people can create art even faster with AI. So I think it's always kind of like with the background of the culture and how this accepted and also a lot about I think the artists it's a lot about the artists oh sorry I'm hung up there for a second <laughs> and it's a lot about the artists hi yeah I think it's a lot about the artist's personality as well that plays into it in how he sells the concept the reasoning why he used AI and not a different tool. I think that all of that kind of makes it art or not. It's not okay. just the piece that the AI creates itself. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So with AI tools becoming more accessible, there's a potential for misuse. How do you think we should tackle the ethical of people using AI for art plagiarism or copyright infringement. Um, there's about there's a lot of talk and um, chatter about that topic. I'm, I'm honestly not sure yet. I think there's one way that people talk about is to create even more AI to, to see where copyright infringement happened or find duplicates of art and not. But I'm not sure if the right way is to create 
AI to police AI in that way. But I also don't have a, a better answer for that right now. Okay, yeah, no problem. What's your take on like the ownership and rights of AI-generated art? Because right now, there's a lot of art that's being created by AI, and it's kind of in the gray area, so no one knows who owns what. And because the algorithm was trained on other people's art, there's some problems with originality, even though it's creates its own original piece based on some type of mathematical representation. Like, what's your take on like the ownership and rights of AI-generated art? I don't know the real legal side of it, and it's probably still figured out. But I think that there's maybe in the future there's an interesting part. Is it becoming easier to train your own AI and make this kind of add more personality to it? I have a couple of artist friends that just went that route and. Um, when they create something with an AI that they trained on their personal work, I think it's much easier to say that it should be copyrightable to that person because they put more work into it than just creating a prompt. If it's an AI model that's not trained by a single person, but like by everyone, I think that's, or even if it's open source, for example, it's a little trickier. Gotcha. Um, switching gears, I'd like to learn how um, your team is actually adapting to the rapid evolution of AI. So how do you ensure it stays on top and updated um, about the latest tech that's happened in the world? Because um, in the generative AI space, every two weeks, something big happens. So it's hard to catch up with the new advances. Like, what are you guys doing in terms of trying to up, get caught up with what's going on using the latest, greatest tech? trying not to be dated um, in the in this like generative AI environment. Yeah, to be honest, it's overwhelming. Like the speed of it is incredible and it's almost impossible to keep up on an everyday basis. But I think just keep looking at it and seeing what happens a lot in like in different Twitter or on X, I think that's always good to see what people are doing out there or different discourses or just looking at what your peers do. That's one way of keeping up with it. And other than that, I think it's just like trying to do as lot as much as you can in just trying out these technologies as well. Um, because it's really hard to understand what's really happening by just reading about it or hearing about it. It's much different when you really start using them and, 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 and try your own prompts and see what it generates and how far you can push that. Gotcha. So for like aspiring artists and coders who are interested in this niche, what's your advice in terms of like skill development and training? What would you do if you had to start over in terms of like technical skills? I think my first advice is don't freak out. I think there's a lot of hype in there. Time will show where things are going. It's really overwhelming. Like for me, 20 years ago, it was super overwhelming to open a 3D program. But just pick one thing that you enjoy doing and just try to go as far down the rabbit hole as you can. And I think that's the, with with those new AI technologies is just to try them out and see how far she, how far you can push them in the direction that you want. 
Cool. I'm actually interested in what use case you guys have built that you're like particularly very proud of and how AI played a role in it. What's the, the one use case that built that you've used AI um, at Red Paper Heart that you're like really proud of? Let's hear it. Yeah, that use case is, we call it the project culture class in the end, because it's the project that I've been talking about before. And it was really the first time where we found a way how we can integrate AI, not just in the process of creating a concept or the artwork itself, but having AI part of the life experience of the installation. Because a lot of times I find that still a really hard uh, challenge to have AI as part of the actual installation and not just in the creative process. And I think therefore there was a really, it was, it's a really fun interaction. It's meant, and it was a really interesting way also to interact with an AI because most times our interaction with it is a prompt, right? It's a chatbot that you're basically talking to. And in this way, you just had to be there and show up and the AI noticed your presence and used what it needed from you to, to generate something that could be shown on a really large surface. As we're wrapping this up, like given all the advancements and innovations that's happened in the last like 18 months in, in the field of AI, where do you see the intersect of art and AI in like the next five years? The next five years and sounds like the next 100 years. If you talk about generative AI, I think it will, I think we will see a lot better results with just static images, but you can already see that AI is moving to animations and video and just moving images. Um, and I think those are still in, in the fairly early stage with, with mixed results. But yeah, given five years, you might be able to explain a whole movie to an AI and receive a movie file back. Cool. So if I needed to get in touch with you, how do I do it? Best would be email. My email is daniel at redpaperheart.com. Well, thanks for being on the show, Daniel. Um, do you have any like final words? My my final words are always just have fun doing what you're doing because otherwise it's a waste of time. All right. Thanks for listening in. And until next time, we'll catch you guys later.